0: Bonus bets expire in thirty days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
2: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back for part two, talking about the defense. Against the Cincinnati Bengals in the wild card game, uh, here doing it with Vas Larios. Vas, how you doing?
3: I'm doing fine. Kind of uh, talking it through here is making us, I think, uh, a little cathartic.
2: Yeah, it's it's making me feel better. I mean, it, in in a lot of ways, there's good things to look forward to in 2023. I think the Ravens, uh you know, have shown themselves this season as a even though they lost two of the three games being a pretty good matchup for the Bengals and certainly two or three years they also didn't have Lamar Jackson so there might be something to that as well but uh but I thought defensively they looked they looked a, a very good matchup for the Bengals so we have some more thoughts uh to share on that in the second show
3: yeah I think mike McDonald really as a defensive coordinator should be a cause for a lot of optimism going forward finished out his first year very strong and trying maybe some little bit of unique different things that maybe some other teams are doing and finding his uh, his advantage and and getting comfortable so that's I think he was a coach of the year on the team this year I don't know if you agree with that one
2: yeah I think they did some good things on the offensive line so coach D I think it deserves a lot of credit as he always does in terms mm-hmm. of of keeping that unit together uh mcdonald was the coordinator of the year i think we can agree on that but uh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah and, and they had a, they really were having a great special teams year for a lot of the years so chris horton deserves you know credit for that uh so I, 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 yeah i mean, those are the three guys probably i i would i would put in there mcdonald certainly showed as the season moved along really outstanding ability to adapt to what he had to adapt to the circumstances i think and and i do think he is potentially one of the good coordinators for a while now in the league. So hopefully the Ravens have got a young guy and they, they basically, as many times as they failed with offensive coordinator, they've almost never failed at defensive coordinator. And, and yep, even totally. the worst defensive coordinator of, of all of Ravens history is probably Madison. Mm-hmm. And even he is not, too, not terribly bad. And a lot of people didn't like Pease, but Pease has a long record of success, high adaptability. I didn't like him basically turning away from the dime during his time with the Ravens, but but I did like most of the things he did about adapting in-game and being very effective at that, especially considering those defenses during that 2012-17 uh, to 17 era that he was here were not particularly good.
3: Right, and I think those defenses were pretty short sure at cornerback if I recall most of the yeah. time, but Pease, I do think there's some similarity between McDonald and Pease maybe as far as – First of all, you know, avoiding dime usage or not avoiding, but just not using dime as much. And also uh, a little bit more of the bend, don't break mentality as certainly as is compared to a, a Martindale or a Ryan.
2: Yeah, Martindale, Ryan, definitely big time gamblers. And, and uh, I want to get let's get back with gambling in a second. And that's important. But I want to want to thank our sponsor first. Not a gambling sponsor, this one, but <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, Liquid Death, Uh, the, the water that will brutally murder your thirst, please give their product a try. They've been very good to us. They have a good lime seltzer uh, that comes recommended. Please uh, give their product a try if you want to try and support the show. Other folks out there, uh, the, the gambling thing comes up every once in a while, but defenses have to gamble a fair amount in today's a- NFL in order to win. You can't play soft defense. Why? Because – The game has been made more and more for offenses. It's not really as much about the penalties and all that stuff. It's about increased quarterback accuracy generally. And the fact that uh, particularly against four down football, it's just almost impossible to stop. I mean, what's your chance to stop a field goal drive with two minutes to go. If the opponent has four down football, you got to, you got to avoid that circumstance under, uh, you know, all Situations of the world, if you can.
3: Yes, it's very difficult these days, especially against a Burrow or a Mahomes or a Allen or any of these good AFC slim young gun slingers. You have to get some negative plays. You have to get a tackle for loss or a penalty or a sack or a pass breakup. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, I can't recall. Uh, come back to me on this one because this is a good term, where they add up all those not spots plays. There's a There's actually a metric they use for it. In, in college, and they track it all tackle oh. for all sack, force fumble, uh, quarterback hit, pass breakup, all combined. and How many total, you know, per game, really? Yeah. So you have to do that. And even then, when you're playing some of these guys like Mahomes, and it's fourth and 23 and they're still made to play, yeah. but it, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. You, you're, you really need to be you, the whole what it takes to get another team off the field is just it's gone so much up incrementally that they almost in order to to even up the game between the defense and offense and make it more like it was in the past, and I'm not saying that's the way that the game ought to go, but it's the way the game could go, is you'd have to change something like being 11 and a half yards for a first down or something. I mean, they'd really have to make a dramatic change like that. And they are, by the way, considering changes like that in baseball. They've already implemented some of it, but some's going in next season as well, this crapola with the shifts. I mean, they, they should never have to do that. That's a uh, shift yeah. is, is, is ancient. And and the, the other thing they're doing is they're, they're changing the distance between the bases by making the bases larger. And so it's now mm-hmm. going to be like three inches shorter
3: from one base to the next kind of thing. So it's, it's Just uh, they want more scoring. Everybody wants more scoring. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's entertainment as much as we're defensive purists and I'm a defensive purist. And so a lot of times I'll make a point saying they should invest more in offense. Not because I don't like defense. I love defense, but it's what's working you know?
2: That's a, uh, that's a good way to put it. Well, let's talk about the pass rush a little bit in this game. Cause I think this is an area where McDonald really shined in the last two weeks against Burrow was coming up with a game plan that was very effective. Both times um, Used numbers very sparingly again and greatly reduced deception in the second half. We'll get to that in just a minute, but there was quite a lot of that. Um, you know, as I saw it, the goal was to contain Burrow to try and cover uh, those very dangerous receivers and take away the easy, quick throws, but also to exploit that that offensive line. And they had a couple different ways they could try and do it. Uh, didn't always work, but and they ended up kind of sitting on just winning the one-on-one matchups, which ended up being, I think, a, a way that was very effective against Joe.
3: Uh, definitely, definitely. And they had obviously – they ended the game with two of their five starting – the offensive linemen that they began – the, the month with, I believe, or at least yeah. Collins went out two weeks ago and then Kappa and then Williams. So it really was, it seemed, let's keep everything in front of us. Um, let's prevent any explosive plays only, only in coverage. And then let's see what we can do up front, especially with Calais. And that was the one thing that I really noticed was in at least two or three times this game he waited and right until the ball was about to be snapped and then jumped over a gap at the last possible second, completely creating a play for the man behind him. Um, and it was that was some of their best. I think they could have re- recorded two sacks on those. On those. Yes.
2: Great underneath play by Calais. And, and Calais is still a guy at his age who has juice to go over on stunt plays, which is really unusual. But the other thing he does is even when he's back there, and, and you know as an under player, you often get a good peel from one of those two blockers, you get them both at a 45 degree angle and you get a good peel from, from a player. And that creates an opportunity for a player like Campbell to just push right through that block and, and, and get in there for a sack or a pressure. But the other thing he, he did a very good job was getting his hands up and, and the defense as a whole, I thought played very good hands up football. I thought we saw it from away. I thought we saw it from Bowser. I thought we saw it from, uh, Campbell as well, certainly in this game. And I don't, I, and we always see it from Pierre Paul, but I don't think we actually saw a PD at the line of scrimmage. I might be wrong about that, but it no, didn't mean they weren't press.
3: There was about five balls. It looked like they could have been. And I definitely noticed that as well. Um, yeah. It, and that's how many of uh, the interceptions this season, at least a few of them have come on that kind of play. And if you can do that, it was just such quick game. I mean, they were just running quick game and that's it's just so hard to defend that.
4: You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand-up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called liquid death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, it's infinitely recyclable. Tallboy cans are helping to bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable, and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work, I take it to the ball club, I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them right here on my, can- on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So going out there, get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash filmstudy. That's liquiddeath.com slash filmstudy.
3: You know, you have to just get your hands up and hope sometimes. Yeah, and and
2: the kind of defense the Ravens have, where they're playing zone defense, eyes are in the backfield. But you know, the football is going to get found a lot of the time. I think the Ravens have been particularly unlucky with that this year, and and I think it's a great sign going in next year for an increased interception total. Is that if if you can do what Braddock Washington is, I think Braddock Washington might have five or now six passes defense on the year. You know, Pierre Paul has had a good year. He had two in a row in one game. He had mm-hmm. you know he's had he's had others. Um, you know, they've, they've had a, a fair number of PDs, uh, and, and I don't think they've really collected on. I do remember one by Hamilton being collected that way. And I'm trying to remember others, but just this weekend, you know, we see the double, double deflection interception. We saw one mm-hmm. on the, didn't urban deflect one to somebody else on the line at one point this year.
3: Um, or was that, I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it might've been urban deflecting one to Houston. Was was the uh for Houston's interception this year. If I may not have it correct, he may not have gotten an interception, but that's what I recall kinda in my in my head. It's on the kind of they're kinda on the right side of the line. He 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 blocked it back. And literally it was one of these passes where it wasn't blocked down, it was blocked directly into the hands of Houston pretty much for an interception.
4: Oh mm-hmm.
2: am anyway, mm-hmm. not sure I remember it exactly correctly, but that's that's uh that's how I how I kind of am, am, am coming up with it. You know, one thing you look at in terms of pressures in this game, the Ravens had 36 total plays with pressure, sorry, 36 total pass plays and 13 of those, they delivered a pressure, which is not that good. 36% overall. You know, you, you wouldn't want that for your typical game, but in a game where you're facing burrow and so many of the balls are ball out quick, exactly trying to mitigate your pressure. That's actually a pretty damn good total. And uh you know you look at it, he had i want to make sure i get this correct here he had ball out quick 16 times in this game and was was good but not great in those situations through 90 for 93 yards with ball out quick now when you have ball out quick you're already truncating the sacks think about that so say, you don't get any sacks if the ball's out quick because by definition they can't be on the on the same play but he only had four incompletes on those passes and they still only gained 5.8 yards per play which is you know you they'd be upset with Joe Burrow if that were his season average in terms of yards per play. So that's a good thing when on a
3: truncated above average set of passes, he only gets 5.8. Right. And 5.1 total yards per pass on the entire game was a very good number. Um, that's, they were really just relying on we're going to take what's underneath and and see if chase can pick up four yards after the catch. <laughs> yeah, You know, that's that's really what they were reduced to, um, you know. So, unfortunately, the, the, the offense with the, with the turnover and the 14-point swing, that's that's what doomed them, but obviously. The, uh, the,
2: they did not really get behind the defense very often, which is a key thing about this game, is even though sometimes those throws are some of the quickest a quarterback could make, literally, if, you know, a, a seven-step drop with a – long bomb down the sideline. So you're trying to get single coverage. You're trying to not let the safety get there. This is like a Walsh thing where you hit him between 40 and 42 yards down the field. And uh, that throw should be off in less than 2.2 seconds. Mm -hmm. If it is, it generally will not give that safety time to react to that ball. And uh, it also won't give time for a pass rush to get home in 2.2 seconds. The quarterback might take a hit under under very limited situations. Most of the time, he's not going to even take a hit, um, and that ball is going to be out of there quickly. It is interesting that the Bengals, with the weapons they have, with Chase and his speed, with Higgins and his ability to outmuscle and outleap other players, didn't really take advantage of that versus the Ravens' corners.
3: Right, the I mean the corners are playing soft. I thought for the most part, you you saw a few plays where they would come up and bump a little bit, but for the most part, they were playing soft. And um, the safeties, I thought, were also they weren't necessarily pressing up. Uh, Just back to the ball out quick point again. I would be interested, maybe this offseason, to look at ball out quick numbers versus the Ravens defense versus other you know league average. Cause I think that they're way, way under. You know, the Ravens have to be one of the most extreme. I mean, I watch a good bit of football. I'm not counting, you know, calculating it, but even Tom Brady earlier tonight I watching him, and he's holding the ball and holding the ball and holding the ball and looking for, waiting for Chris Godwin to come back around on a on a, a route. And you just don't see that against the Ravens. It's they they dri- It's almost like every, pretty much every single team drills it into the quarterback the week you're playing the Ravens. You got to get the ball quick, and it's it's been like that for years, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, when with the quality of inside linebacker the Ravens have this year in particular, mm-hmm. Bala Quick makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in In other years, it's made sense under on other throws, but you know when the Ravens have failed to have the diagnosis that they needed with the various guys have had inside linebacker before Roquan arrived, including Patrick Queen, and we'll call him the old Patrick Queen including the old Patrick Queen and other guys they've had in there too. Owasso is a slow to diagnose guy and they've had other guys at, at, at inside linebacker haven't been great. Mosley was great. Okay. Um, but they, but they had, you know, a bunch of guys who were pretty much slow to diagnose screen passes. Those, those plays just go for more yardage. Mm-hmm. You know, having Kyle Hamilton is a big freaking deal in terms of having a short zone, you know, essentially a short zone, free safety. And it, <laughs> it, 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 the funny thing is it takes so much away from him to play that slot corner position. But it, incredibly, he becomes free safety over a different area. He, he yeah. diagnoses due to different spots on the
3: field. Right, right. And uh, I'm sorry, we're on the pass section. Actually, we'll come back to
0: Hamilton.
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, well, let's let's talk about a few more things here. Let's see with eight with ample time and space, and this is interesting. Only seven ample time and space opportunities out of thirty six the whole game, so that's under twenty percent. Um, six point seven yards per throw. So good that they held them to under twenty percent, and good that they only got six point seven yards per throw because ATS opportunities. Good quarterback will typically uh, uh, pick you apart for eight to twelve yards a throw, sometimes more than that if it's uh, depending on who you're talking about. With pressure, there's thir- there's thirteen pressure plays. Um, The Ravens only allowed 2.8 yards per throw. So it's really nice to get that high a percentage against a quarterback like Burrow, who's not going to allow a lot of pressure generally. And you do expect a lot of difference between your ATS and pressure throws. So it's not surprising, but that's that's still a very good pressure number at Burrow, a quarterback we think about normally being able to beat pressure.
3: Especially with those receivers too, but that that's been Burroughs really his calling card is beating pressure. The Ravens are getting to the point finally where they can rush, uh, with four and disrupt the play with, and still have enough extra bodies, especially with better safeties, even going back to the Mosley era, the safety play was really, I think part of the problem back then.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we want to talk also about deceptive elements. Let's give that a quick run here because this was one of the interesting changes as the game went along. So they had only five individual off-ball blitzes, and we'll get maybe we got to do them by numbers first. Let's do the by the numbers first because that really it has some indications to it too. They rushed three on four occasions, fourteen yards on those four plays, three point five yards per play. Not a big sample size, but they were successful with with a with a short rush. They rushed four. 29 times and now i got to go to my spreadsheet or i won't i won't have the correct numbers here because i didn't put it on the separate sheet one second so four times this is really good 29 times for 151 yards that's 5.2 yards per play four sacks on 29 four-man rushes now you, that to your point that is fantastic four-man rush percentage
3: right and there and you know, people have been asking for that for a long time and they, it seems like they finally had the pieces in place to do it yeah. And now, of course, you have to take into account that since he's O-line was banged up, but still, I think Burrow's quick release, you know, negates that. And it's almost like you're at playing a. So, yeah, four man rush with away going forward. Um, pretty exciting.
2: Yeah. So for the entire year with a four man rush, they had a six point one percent sack rate and. I hope I have this correct. Let me see if this looks like 676 passes. This looks like the correct total for the season for 18 games and a 15.2% sack rate with rushing five. Hmm. And that drops to a 0% sack rate when rushing six only 21 plays credible. Only 21 plays the entire season. They rushed Zero plays. They rushed seven or more in 2020, 22. I did not know that. Well, wow. but that, that is really amazing. 38 times, sorry, 36 times. They rushed three. With one sack and two point, no, nothing good to say about that. Two point eight uh, sack percentage, but also six point three yards per play. So interesting, interesting set of results there. But McDonald definitely way more conservative than pass rushers. We didn't really see the cover zero blitz this year uh, from the Ravens. It would have taken too much away from what they present to an opponent on the back end. I think to to do that. So while it was a staple of Martindale with guys like Deshaun Elliott playing center field. Yeah. Uh, i and i think it made a lot of sense in those cases it it was not really with marcus williams and, and stone and other you know true bracket defenders back there uh uh looking to to uh for their predator prey relationships to work out
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure um so uh for the deceptive elements i mean i know there's it's a trade off it's a trade off so um, i thought they had well, um McDonald did a nice job of not uh, crowding the line with bodies in bare front mm-hmm. um without leaving the back end exposed.
2: Yeah, they did so simulated pressure we're talking about there, where they didn't really come with it, but they showed it. Uh, mm-hmm. they did that five times during the game. Um the results I'll just I'll just toss them out here. 13, 9, 10, 19, and an incomplete pass. So pretty effective, honestly, uh, against simulated pressure on the game. And I think I put it in the in the notes I we have here. So yeah, uh, so simulated pressure. They had 10.2 yards per play. What was interesting about this? They just still did three simulated pressures in the second half, but they did four stunts the entire game. And that really wasn't working 8.0 yards per play all in the first half. And then I think because some of those get called on field, especially when Campbell's out there and is quite a leader and there's no splits being called, he has the ability to just whip one up on the, on the fly. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that wasn't working. And McDonald said, okay, we we're we're gonna just call that off. We've got a couple quarterback hits on that. That's nice, but but it, we're taking too much risk. we're We're losing yardage on those plays. no more no more stunting in the second half, and they they just shut that down. Off ball blitzes, they had five the entire game, Seven total yards on those plays. They had two sacks and and one other pressure among those. Um, but uh, but that was really that was really very nice and very effective. And yet still in the second half, I want to say they had none. They had one blitz the entire second half, and it was on the a first and 19 on that final drive. Uh, so they, they really shut down the the deceptive elements after halftime and and were still very effective.
0: I think
3: what McDonald was able to do was disguise the coverage on the back end. Um, and that's what really um confused Burrow and and kept the Bengals at bay per, for the most part. Um, that's what, you know, where, where he shows one look, it's almost like deceptive coverage. You know? Yeah, Maybe that's a better way. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it well. But, no, it's uh, great. Yeah.
2: I, 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 you know, if you have an extra man and you can do two things with him, you can bring him on a blitz, uh, which often in, in the, in the McDonald's system is meaning somebody else is dropping from the line of scrimmage. Anyway, as a, as a zone defender who probably has less value, whether that's Bowser or away or somebody else is dropping into coverage who who is not the ideal guy I'm not saying Bowser is bad Bowser is the best coverage outside linebacker in the game I still believe but it's still you'd rather have a safety in that spot if you if you had the mm-hmm. choice or, and sometimes you'd rather have a linebacker but in the in the case of the Ravens I think they can rotate somebody to take away one route is is another thing to make Burrow worry and if Burrow's got to worry about a four-man rush because normally that's not the case in the NFL Normally be, you're able to stop four man pressure and the quarterback has some sandwich making time in the pocket. And then he has the ability to really judge the ingredients, make multiple reads and get to get to one that works. But when you can take one away on the back end and you're also still effective with four man pressure, boy, that's a great combination.
3: Yes, definitely. Definitely. That's, that's what we want to replicate and and look towards. Cause I do think that he kind of found that formula, that, that mixture down the stretch this year and I think that's also where Roquan brings value. I know we had a podcast last week discussing mostly more, more the negatives and the positives, but there is a positive element to that where, you know, they can, you, you give. Uh, there was one example I saw floating on earlier where it looked like cover one, and then they rotated down and took away the slant mm-hmm. immediately. And that's, that's really been his, his recipe against yeah. Burrow in particular this year.
2: Your go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus all new and existing customers can get a no sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice. And if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsback app and use the code FILM. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsback with the code FILM. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER21+. Physically present in Maryland, bonus, bonus issued as free bets. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing NFL bet up to ten dollars. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash MD for full terms and conditions. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a great point, Voss, because those those bread and butter plays the borough will will check to. So like basically there's all these, there's all these possibilities. But anytime there's two receivers on one side, it's a wide receiver screen possibility for, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, Mm -hmm. they're they're looking to somehow get a running back out there, get a tight end out there for a second block. But also those two receivers. It's one block and one receiver. Mm -hmm. And and so rotating into anything like that can give you numbers against that screen pass, maybe take away a slant as well versus one of those players. So you, you get multiple advantages out of out of using one strategy that way. The other the other thing that I have. Um, really liked is anytime you can take away one of the shorter routes against Burrow, you have the potential of taking away his expected hot win. So especially if you blitz off the slot, but also have Williams, for instance, come down and try and take away that slant or have queen or Roquan be right in the right position for that, for that slant. If you can do that, um, then you can really make Burrow uh, feel the heat uh mm-hmm. of that so I, I you know i look forward to that against any any team next year i mean this is a this is a high quality defense they're going to basically have a lot of the same personnel back they are going to have to do some additional rebuilding i think on the defensive line but it's it's very exciting to see where this team might go and that cornerback
3: right and again first season mcdonald just went through now he has an off season to evaluate and look and and, and learn and this is just you know the the uh, the the found the foundation to to build upon further, and I think they have a lot of capability of being able to do that. Considering he was so vanilla, I mean, no plays the entire season with seven blitzers. Out of I would estimate that you had at least twenty or so last year. Uh,
2: I'll get you that number while we're while we're uh, looking at that. But I'm I'm interested to know now too. But that's it's uh, that's certainly something that uh, yes, I would have guessed with. Last year was wink. Okay. I'm going to have an over under on this. Okay. 38 is my over under. (laughs) I think, I think it was, it was like 6% of pass rushes might've been seven plus. Let me just, this is, we got to do this. This is too much, too much fun to not do this right now. Okay. But it does take me a, a second to find this. Okay. I'm studying 2021 defense, 2021. Okay. So, all season last year for the complete year, okay, <laughs> twenty-one seven-man rushes. So you're you're closer, uh, eight point two yards per play. So it wasn't like they really worked out, and they had zero sacks on those plays last year. Uh, they did they have four point eight percent turnovers, which is one turnover out of out of those plays. And they had six man rushes. They had forty-eight last year, and how many did I say this year? Uh, I and, think it was less. Yeah, I, mean, I it think was it was less single game. digits. Let's see, just a second. It was six man rushes, 21 this year. So 21. Had about a Significant reduction, about a, a less than a third as many was six plus uh, uh, this year as opposed to last year. So pretty cardinal difference.
3: You can layer that on, too. McDonald can layer that in next year and come up with new wrinkles. And he was apparently the one, the main architect of a lot of Martindale's packages. So it's, he's he's finding himself. So anyway,
0: I'm
3: excited about McDonald.
2: Uh, Lots of reasons, uh, I think, to be that. I think we talked about everything in the past, Rush. Let's move on. Individual player discussion, always one of my favorite topics. And we can talk about a little bit of the individual great playmaking that we saw in this game from the Ravens' defense. But, Voss, you're the guest. Start us off with somebody you want to talk about.
3: Kyle Hamilton, uh, play of the game, just completely, totally textbook hit, levels, and then recovers it himself, too. Um, But not only that, just a great game for adding pressure, tackling, uh, coverage just all around. I think he, well, in my view, if there was MVP, I know you don't do MVP after a loss, but he would be the number one MVP. And before the season, everyone was very concerned. After I think there was a clip of a shifty five foot eight UDFA uh, that burned him, you know, out of the slot on a play at the at the uh, open practice at the stadium, and people were freaking out. And he did have some struggles in coverage earlier in the season. And to see how far he's come in one year to now he's playing slack cornerback against the Bengals and the best defensive player on the field. Uh, quite the journey, really living up to that, that pre-draft pedigree and a cornerstone piece.
2: Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I think it'll be one of the big decisions of this offseason for the Ravens to figure out how are they going to increase Kyle Hamilton's playing time? Because in a lot of ways, they don't really need to. Um, if if he's going to continue just to play the slot corner role, which I don't think maximizes his skills, but it does create a different center field area for him, as we just kind of talked about mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. Um, it, it It's still a very valuable position. And, and it's now easy to see why the honey badger got moved around the way he did over the entire course of his career from being a, you know, a, a free safety, a, a, a true strong safety at times and a, and a slot corner when needed.
3: Mm-hmm. It's. It seems like they're maybe ahead of the curve with these hybridized players, and I would like to see him in more of a traditional role. It seems now with Roquan locked in and Hamlet is a first round pick and Williams locked in, you need to probably move on from either one of Clark or Queen, in my view, to maximize what you have on defense. But uh, it's a nice, it's a nice wrinkle to have.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Is it's it's really it's two different players at two different positions who are creating a log jam of talent. And by the way, that log jam goes away pretty freaking quickly as it did this year when there's any sort of injury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if queen goes down, you're like, Oh, well, we, we, we can play a lot more dime now. <laughs> and and you, you have Malik Harrison as your wingside linebacker and you make the, you do the best you can with that. Uh, or maybe it's Ross next year or whoever mm-hmm. it might be. And, and you have, uh, you know, the opportunity to play dime on third down with, because Chuck Clark, that's what he grew up with basically in this system. And uh, Clark then becomes a hybrid strong safety dime. And you move Hamilton in to basically being, I guess, either, maybe maybe next year still a slot corner and a free safety or a back-end split safety um, on those downs. Or maybe James like Stone.
3: Overhang, like an overhang position similar to maybe what Stevens was playing down the stretch last year, I think, would suit Hamilton pretty well. Um, he could do a lot of different things. You know, let's not let's not limit him, pigeonhole him. Uh, but yeah, you have some you have some options. And I do think that there is a little bit of a logjam going into this offseason. And if you can take away from there and, and reallocate that somewhere else, you might be better off.
2: It is one of the places it's one of the few places where the Ravens could trade real talent for draft capital. And unfortunately, they still won't get a lot for Clark, who has a lot of value to the Ravens. Is, mm-hmm. is that there's just not a lot of value there in terms of what he is. He says contract value is such that most other teams don't really understand how to extract that value or aren't in a position to extract that value from Clark. Um, and and some of them already have two linebackers, like you can't trade them to the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills already are committed nickel team. Right. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other teams out there that, that probably shouldn't be committed nickels, but they kind of see themselves as, commi- as committed nickel and they're not going to change just mm-hmm. because they can get Chuck Clark and you know they change if they could get Kyle Hamilton but they're not going to get to ch- to change if they could get Chuck Clark and so they they don't really realize this cerebral you know captain of the defense value you're getting out of this player and and so it's it's hard for them to see it so if if your only option is to trade him to uh the Jets or the Giants the to Giants. really understand who, the, who he is then uh then it's a lot more difficult to 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 get value out of him so that really means that Queen is the guy who they could trade
3: mm mm-hmm. mhm Mm-hmm. And I think that's something they should explore because again, I think you're better off with Hamilton, you know, playing, taking on some of those responsibilities or Clark taking on the responsibilities that Queen had uh, because, you know, he was not that there was a huge gaping weak link, but his coverage, he he was picked on the coverage a little bit in this game.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, they've gotten such good speed play from Queen down the stretch I'd really hate to see them lose it for next year because I think it's one of the big advantages is is what they have in terms of fast recognition out of Roquan with also speed, but really fast speed out of out of uh, uh, Queen to he's become more effective as the season's gone on in terms of his ability to impact the game by blitzing. And he's blitzing less to do it. He's blitzing less to do it. Remember last year, that was all you could do with Patrick Queen. He didn't give you anything in coverage, so you really needed to to, to blitz him. In particular, it's even more true his rookie year. But 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 it's true somewhat last year. This year, he can give you a little bit in coverage, but mm-hmm. but he can give you more as a blitzer. I think.
3: Right, and I definitely think there's no question about it. Patrick Queen improved this season, even possibly before the trade. Um, I do think that against ball out quick and short game, quick game, maybe having blitzing your inside backer is the, is the advantage it, it, it is the counter punch. So it, it, there are benefits to having them both. And they have that sideline to sideline speed to take away those bubble screens, as you were mentioning earlier. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it goes.
2: Yeah, you get Tyus Bowser off the line of scrimmage. Sorry, you get Ty, Tyus Bowser dropping from the line of scrimmage if you blitz queen a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you get the value of his coverage. And Tyus Bowser can take away some routes. He can take away a slant route. He can really cause problems if you want to get the ball to the outside and, and you put him in a position to track down a screen pass because
3: he's very quick as well. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. That's just Signature plays his career, those, those exact plays. Yeah.
2: Uh, I will talk about a guy I thought just has a great future based on, on this game. And I'm really glad to see it because he's had, he's had some pressures this year. But Adafioe came out with, with his best game of the year, in my opinion. Um, just – it was so many big plays, it's really hard to even state them all. And we're not doing a uh, an article this week. Uh, travel schedules really didn't allow for it. So, uh, Maureen and I couldn't get that done. Um, but he had lots of pressure. Um, he stunted in this game very effectively. He played effectively on the inside in rush dime packages. Now the rush dime as a whole wasn't all that effective, but but OA uh, uh, himself was quite effective. Um, did a fair amount of stunting in this game. Uh, did uh, uh, some wonderful bull rushes that we saw. Uh, he bull rushed um, Williams uh, Williams yep. you know, very effectively on the, for an S minus six. That was one of the great sacks you'll ever see. Just club the guy down. And there wasn't a, mm-hmm. a tripping component of it involved, but the amount of force in that club applied properly is going to create some force fumbles in the future.
3: Mm-hmm. Fantastic game from O.A. I thought the whole package, his whole skill set was on display in this game. That sack was very impressive, as you said, well, you know, one of the five plays that I kind of put a star next to to make sure to bring up because that's just... That's the tantalizing upside that he brings to have that to combine that power with that speed with that length um so yeah, i you know I almost wonder if the Ravens did him a disservice this season by forcing so many snaps on him for the first five yes. four or five weeks, and you just wish that wasn't the case and you wish they would have had some more, but um definitely ended the season on a on a strong note.
2: Yeah. He, he he had the sack himself on that club down play and I will just want to go over the other two that that were almost sacks um he beat uh Jackson Carmen on, on the play sorry where Bowser beat Jackson Carmen for the s minus9 he had front side pressure uh delivered by I think he was opposite the right tackle and I didn't actually note it here exactly who he beat for that but he had the front side pressure to contain that pocket. Which made there be nowhere for Burrow to, to to run out of, and he honestly could have been credited with part of that sack. But uh, but I think it was it was uh, a fairly also went to Bowser, who who made a very good play on uh, on Carmen on that play. And the other thing, it's not called a sack, but with third and ten, with three thirty seven to play, and the Ravens' season on the line, a first down there is going to all but turn off the lights for the Baltimore Ravens. And
1: yeah.
2: Bowser generated the pressure to flush Burrow left. Now normally. I've been thrilled. Any, any right-handed quarterback gets flushed left, I think the Ravens have got him now. But the last couple of weeks, it just hasn't worked out that way. Burrow was very effective being flushed left and elusive as hell. And the week before, uh, Pickett was really effective mm-hmm. being flushed mm-hmm. left and, and, and throwing the ball. But anyway, they got him this time. Burrow took off left, and O.A. ran him down from a distance you do not see an outside linebacker run down a quarterback very often. And uh, it held it to a four-yard gain. Did not allow Burrow to get that edge, get a, those few extra yards that would have just made it very sticky in terms of whether or not it was going to be a first down or not. And uh, and that was a you know obviously one of the big plays that gave the Ravens a chance. Ended up giving the Ravens a chance
3: right around midfield. Mm-hmm. He he's the player that I think really gives them that that high ceiling that they need. Um, so I, I, if I can, if I can move on to my next one was uh, was his his. Uh, running mate on at on the edge rusher, Tyus Bowser. I thought he had a very good game, uh, three cube quarterback hits. He seems like he's back to his disruptive ways of the previous season, last season, where he was um, just thrust into that role as the anchor of the unit, taking on the most snaps and that sort of thing. These are your two edge rushers going forward, you know, and it's a good pairing to have, I think, with uh, with Bowser and away – um and just to have Bowser back after that injury, late season injury, fight back the whole season and become one of these, again, just really dynamic, versatile pieces on that second level to add into Roquan and Queen and Hamilton and Clark and all these guys. It's a it's a good place to be. So I, I just wanted to note Bowser for a good game.
2: Yeah, he 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 did certainly did have a good game, and he's he he has not had the kind of standout year, obviously, the Ravens would have hoped for, but in part because he missed time, but in part also because he just hasn't been playing quite at the Tyus Bowser level since he's been back. Um, I he's one of the players the Ravens have got to think about extending again. Now, this is, I believe, the second year of his three-year extension right now. So, if he's got one year left, we'll look that up. You'll you'll take a look at that yes. while while we're mm-hmm. while we're doing that. But that's that's a, 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 a you know an exciting possibility. Still a fairly young player and a guy uh, at I think twenty eight now. If I'm if I'm not incorrect about that, Tyus Bowser is does 27 and 238 days as of right now. So still a guy you can extend um, a, a, again uh, if you want to. But he'll be is twenty age 28 season will be next year. And if so, if you're if you're extending him say for another two years, you get 29 and 30 out of that. I think you're you're probably making a good gamble on a player who's still got something left in the tank.
3: So he's locked up actually through 24. So he has two oh, fantastic. More years. Yep, It's a four year deal. And his cap number is only six and a half million next year, and only seven and a half million at twenty four for a starting caliber outside linebacker above average starting. Mm-hmm. That's a very good. That's a very good job.
2: Very versatile guy. Definitely can drop the cover and give you that. And uh, you know, you, the other point you made about Oway earlier, I want to come back to because it's an important Bowser point. Bowser, his value to the Ravens showed up so much in the fact that they had to abuse Owe early in the season, not only by number of snaps but by where he had to play. He had to play outside on the tight end side, which means he's, he's – there's a couple of things about that that are not good. First of all, he has to drop the coverage a fair amount in order to disguise your defense to allow for blitzes to occur in the, in the way they normally would. The second thing that you put him in a position to do is you don't have him operating against a naked left tackle. Now, Terrell Suggs, honestly, did not have the greatest pass rush tool set Okay. To be able to do that. Not a not a top end pass rusher, a generational run defender, a mm-hmm. good pass rusher who got a lot of sacks over a long period of time, but but definitely not that. Owe has the potential to be an outstanding pass rusher in this league, one of the top guys, but he has to he has to start moving on his career of being a pass rush plan guy, where mm-hmm. he makes his opponent, who will always be the lesser athlete, make the first mistake and then counter off that. He's not mm-hmm. going to learn how to do that playing on the strong side
3: against tight ends. Agree completely. Agree completely. Um, You know, I agree with you on subs as well. I think Boulware is the best pure pass rusher they ever had. Uh, So, uh, you know, third year now, he's had two seasons away. Um, This is really a big off season for him.
2: Yeah. McCrary would be my other guy, but you're right. Boulware is, was just a, absolutely in his prime, which, it was. It didn't last a whole long time, but mm-hmm. but uh, you know those first seventy or so games, he was one terrific, terrific player. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, who, who else do I want to talk about in this game? Make sure we get to uh, JPP. Another big game, uh, contribution to multiple pressures in this game. Uh, I had him for. Let me see how many pressures I've got him as being part of here. Um, he actually drew a, a big holding call uh, that gave the Ravens a chance, and then they blew it anyway and allowed the touchdown um at the on the second drive but i had him for one pressure one hold another pressure it seems like i've only got him for two pressures here and it seemed like more when i originally was doing this but anyway uh one pressure two pressures and and the hold um i thought played the run reasonably well as most of the ravens did on the outside the ravens are certainly using him in that capacity it's a nice when you have that player on first and second down that you can trust with either responsibility and, and maybe Oway, maybe JPP both fit into this, into this category, because then it gives you, you know, it, it, against a lot of the quarterbacks, certainly in the division and the league that don't want to run against the Ravens. You have something, somebody who can contribute both ways.
3: Yes, I agree with P- JPP, uh, one of the under the radar, best signings of the season um, he was one uh, one point just over the vet minimum this year, so yep. I know it wasn't the full season. If you can get him back for that up uh, somewhere in that ballpark, I think it would be a good move to do. Um, he he brings something to the table that they don't necessarily have else, you know, otherwise. Do you see a market for JPP elsewhere in the league? I mean, there wasn't much of a market this year. This less off season, I know he had a down year in Tampa last year. He maybe he put a little bit better tape out there with the Ravens. Um, but you know, it's even 34, too. Right. And and you see with Houston, um, you know, Houston's had they both had really strong careers, and there's not guys beating down the door for some of these older guys. That's where I think the Ravens do well to get those third or fourth contract guys when it's a short-term deal like that.
2: Right. And and you know, maybe this is now maybe JPP, maybe Houston even. Houston is kind of like it's great to have an incentive working for him, and maybe this is this is the time you 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 pony up for a two year deal for Houston or just another one year deal where you put the incentives out there at a lower level and you say, hey, look, we know you didn't make it last year, we'd like you to make it this year. Let's say it's seven sacks instead of ten this year. And actually, they can't do that because that makes it not an LTBE since he had nine and a half sacks, right? So they have to they have to come up with something that that you know would be a you know an easy make for him uh, to do. Maybe it would be wouldn't really want to put it in playing time but but they want to they'd want to somehow basically allow him to earn back that bonus that he didn't get this year as a kind of a good faith gesture and keep him around that way.
3: yeah I, as far as culture fit and leadership i think houston definitely brings more to the table than jpp um and he's still a little bit younger than him too um you know it's i don't think you could probably afford to bring both i'm not sure uh, a lot of it depends on this last player that i'm going to bring up Marcus Peters, um, notable player for this game, had some notable plays. Also, you know, pending unrestricted free agent besides Lamar. Now he's the second biggest name on that list. As far as the game, I thought he played pretty well. Um, did make some nice tackles and run support, uh, had some nice coverage, used the uh, the end zone to, to uh, prevent, you know, push it out of the back of the end zone when the ball was in the air. Um, the, Got called for a pass of DPI on the two point conversion on a fade route to Higgins that was very reminiscent of Jimmy Smith Super or Bowl Crabtree, yeah.
2: <laughs> and yes. the,
3: which didn't get flagged. And then this the next play uh, he actually did allow that two point conversion, but that was a, a, an extended play where he didn't have much of a choice to hold there. The big play or at least something worth talking about, you know, he brings this swagger and this energy, and you know, like a Brian Billick type kind of player. Uh, he got the penalty this game, and I thought he crossed the line on that when he kind of gave oh, way like, over the line. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a forearm shiver to the ribs, the groin. Addiction. The groin. I it like was. I mean, the groin.
2: yeah. I, I I thought you know that's as low as you can go, and and yeah. it normally again, first first guy to do that is is the guy who initiates the retaliation, gets the flag. But no way on that. I mean, that right, was the most right. obvious up front. If he'd done that at the bottom of a pile, he probably gets away with it. Right. If, if he if he does that right out in the open like that, and literally, I mean, he just he went down on a down receiver after the whistle, and literally put his left arm right on the guy's groin. I just, I, I elbow, an I elbow to the groin. Elbow. It's, yeah. It's. A, it was a hard hit. I mean, it's just I, I, athletic supporters will only do so much. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, and the Ravens have a history of playing some pretty rough and tumble defensive football in the playoffs. Rich Gannon, uh Chris Johnson, uh mm-hmm. Jamal Charles. I think Ed Reed gave him a little little extra hot sauce in one playoff game. And um, but that was just that was just too far, and he got the flag, and that's not what you want to have happen. So I don't know where they stand with Peters. It's, it doesn't seem like he's coming back unless he's gonna take a haircut.
2: Yeah, I I would expect Peters is gonna get a bigger deal somewhere else I, I think i think he did enough in coverage this year that a team who has uh you know a coverage deficit will go out and say hey we want a ball hawk may even be the time in his career where he gets moved to safety and mm-hmm. and you know somebody says you know what we don't need a cornerback but we do need a free safety and marcus uh can continue his uh, you know interception happy ways at a different in a different role I, I that position as much as peters would be excellent at the ball hawk component of it Being the last man necessary to make a tackle is not really his game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think he, he, uh, some other teams will be unhappy with his missed tackle rate on the back end if they, if that's the way they choose to do it.
3: I will say he does seem to be a little bit more uh, motivated to make tackles in the playoffs. (laughs) He doesn't make quite as many business decisions. And when he does, you know bring his 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 pads he can lay a big hit a bigger hit than you'd think from watching him play you know let guys run down the sideline in the regular season so
2: remarkable non-form tackler when around the line of scrimmage though i mean he's he is he's literally is bringing his pads and not his arms Mm -hmm. which is something i i don't know maybe they teach corners to do is don't tackle with your arms because you tackle with your arms that's how you get hurt um and and so you got a better job just go you know pads to knees pads to thighs try and knock that guy down knock him back and you know the sack he had this year was a was a of that sort you know Mm -hmm. one where he used his pads up high on the on the on the receiver turned quarterback i believe it was i've I've tried to remember the game exactly yeah uh maybe landry maybe was it or somebody
3: yeah landry yep that was the big play That that was probably his best play of the year
2: yeah so anyway, lots of lots of uh things. I I unfortunately I think the Marcus Peters era is over and I would I will say I have enjoyed every moment of it or almost every moment of it in terms of what he's brought to this Ravens team in terms of toughness and and uh ball hawkiness and uh, you know a lot of that 2019 defensive turnaround was on Marcus Peters. Uh he certainly provided the Ravens value uh in the in the rest of the time he's been here except when he's been hurt. Agreed. Uh, oh
3: yeah, I think it's probably the best acquisition of the Eric DaCosta era so far, at least one of the top few and definitely enjoyed his time. Always going to remember that, uh, that Tennessee game where he sealed it after uh, got a little revenge with that interception. And they said in the, during the broadcast, he was the most still has the highest rate of interceptions per, for any active player. Um, Even though he didn't have quite the ball hawking season he had this year as he had in years past. So, very good player. It's going to be very interesting to see. I think that's probably – I probably agree that he's probably not coming back, and I think that's going to be the big – the one main area where they want to put some resources this offseason.
2: I mean, they're they're short at shot, slot corner, and they're short on the outside as well. So they need to decide if they want to go into next year with Hamilton still at the same place, I think that would be a mistake. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Hamilton is your trump card. He can he can fix one position for you anytime during the year, and you can find him snaps even if he doesn't have a position. Mm-hmm. So I I don't if if somebody like Pepe were to start the season or maybe it's whoever they acquire will be Pepe, uh, will start the season at slot corner next year, and Hamilton is playing some of the snaps there, and he's he's also in as a linebacker occasionally, and he comes in and he plays the back end on third down with Clark moving up to play dime, and yeah, that's sort of a mixed position thing. Fantastic, lay it all on Kyle Hamilton. He seems to be really good at improving and the learning curve seems to be extremely fast with Hamilton. What happened this year? I just, I have a lot of confidence in his ability to learn a new position period.
3: Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Hamilton gives you all that. Just back to the cornerbacks. I mean, you had Daryl Worley as your third cornerback in the playoffs. You're probably going to lose your cornerback too. And you don't necessarily have anybody coming back that has a whole lot of experience besides Brandon Stevens, who I do think could be a pretty good, maybe, I'd, I'd feel comfortable with him as cornerback four yep yep exactly <laughs> cornerback four so and and fuller was a one-year deal if i recall yeah. and pepe showed that maybe he's not somebody you want near the top of the depth chart and you don't know what you have in armor davis so um yeah I, anyway it, it's it's getting it's it's probably the thinnest position on the team as far as who's under contract coming in next year right now
2: yeah, absolutely, and very refreshing, frankly, that they didn't have to go to Kevon Seymour. Uh, and, and at one point in 2021, Kevon Seymour was their best cornerback, right? Not, right. not, not, not their worst. And and you know they had who who was the guy they had playing on the outside?
3: Jackson Robert yeah, Jackson.
2: Robert Jackson was on the on the team number 17, and they had they had somebody else who was who was on the field at the same time as Seymour. Now, I think it was Worley. Um, who, who you know, obviously that's not a particularly good group of corners, and mm-hmm. and that you know was the basis of the whole DoorDash joke that Wink's been using right. since he got to um, uh, New York to, to 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 basically shy away any questions about what he did in Baltimore. Uh, but anyway, it's it, it. I'm I'm in complete agreement. I think they're going to need to look at cornerback, and they're probably going to need to spend some money there. But if they if they do decide, hey, we've got a Slot corner slash special teams ace, and you know they're always going to find guys who can do multiple things oh, yeah. that they can come come in and get. And this guy's undervalued by another team, but we think he'd be, you know, Corey Ivy for us. Uh, they they could easily go that way again. Also draft a corner because I don't think that they can go into next season with JAD and Stevens competing to be the second corner.
3: Yeah, I would agree. You got to add somebody above Stevens, you know, right. uh, on the depth chart for sure. Whether that's a first round corner. Or, or somebody with some, some pedigree to them. But, uh, yeah, be, you know, and we're talking about how great this defense looks on paper for next year. they got a good-looking stable up front. they got some edge rushers. They have great safeties. They have chess pieces. But if you have a hole in corner too, yeah, that, could, that could really – it's a house of cards, you know? So, yeah.
2: And then certainly – when the Ravens' defense has fallen, despite being great, if you look at 2005, 2007 – uh you know some of the years between 13 and 18 um it's and and again in 21 it's it's fallen not because of the of the of the front seven positions or even usually because of safety it's mostly because of uh it's a street of dying men in the secondary uh where everybody's just injured and and nobody is uh you know nobody's able to get up and play football so it's cornerback it, it and off
3: cornerback and offensive tackle seem to be the two positions that can derail your season the quickest.
2: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Is there anyone else I wanted to mention on this thing? I think we hit on everybody because we hit on some of these guys, obviously, as we went through this. So I think we're good. No MVPs we're talking about this time. Let's go to the mailbag one more time, see if there's anything we want to answer that maybe somebody else asked. If it's about the offense, that's going to be okay. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Okay, let's do this one. Mm -hmm. um this is from dirk schwenk who says the biggest needs to address next year question mark for me one (laughs) wtf can we do about the injuries two play caller and three do we need outside help in drafting developing wide receivers and i guess i'd add a four is cornerback to that group Mm -hmm. but -hmm. let's talk about his wtf and his play caller and the do we need help outside drafting developing
3: start with any of those um I don't know what you can do about the injuries. I mean, I know people want to bang that drum. Sometimes just luck. I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like it's luck in 2019. They were very healthy in 2021. They were very, you know, extremely banged up. So can you do some things? I'm sure there's angles they can try to press and levers they can try to press, but I don't know what that's going to be.
2: I don't think it's anything about the rehab from the injuries necessarily, but let me just say this, the, 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 medicine and technology for detecting injuries early is growing at a ridiculous rate we had a couple guys on from brazil who have their own system for south american soccer and by the way soccer allows you to determine that much easier by the nature of the uniforms is that the players are standing there and they're they're more close to naked than football players are, which allows you to look at muscular heat differently, hmm. and and it was very it was very interesting. But obviously, football players wearing pads and all, you can't get a you can't get a clear reading on heat um, coming off their bodies the same way. And so, you know, they basically had put together a system where players would um, go into a chamber where they basically drop their pants and 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 I guess take off their their top too and get muscular readings for heat. Then they get it after practice, look at deltas of muscular heat. I mean, but those are the kind of things. It's not necessarily that particular system, by the way, but it's it's looking at all the available technology. This is not a cap expense. So, you know, I, I'm sorry, Steve Deschotti, but I'm going to try and spend some of your money. And I'm sure you will, because you've been fantastic about putting money into the facility and everything. But but trying to protect your investment in these players and and find ways to keep them healthy by spending money on, on systems. There's a lot of systems out there there's a lot of different things that could be tried, and by the way, it's not a case where where things can't be attempted concurrently, because a lot of these things might cost half a million, a million dollars per year. And I'm not saying that's a, that's a it's a tiny amount of money, but when you talk when you compare it to the value of these of of you know what might be going on, it, it's it's very affordable compared oh, to what you could lose. Yeah,
3: no question. Uh, you know, these, and you've heard rumors. I think it was Derek Wolfe earlier this season that was saying that maybe Harbaugh. Practice is too hard. You know, I've been out of practice. It doesn't look too hard to me, but, you know, I don't know what he's comparing it to. Some of these former players have an ax to grind. Some don't. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's what. Um, You have a little
2: bit of Bernard Polyditis Polyditis (laughs) there.
3: (laughs) I think so. I think there might be some. You know, you're going into this offseason a hell of a lot healthier than you were last year. Um, You know, just to have Ronnie, I think the biggest thing with the injuries, don't leave yourself short at those cornerback and offensive tackle. If you can always be set steady there, you could find a guy. It's a lot of other positions that could get you by if you need to compare to those still. So how do you always- feel about
2: the Ravens there in terms of offensive tackle? They obviously, they have a mix of some age, a little bit of youth. The problem is that most of their quality is in age. So
3: I feel pretty good about how Fa Lele showed for a really raw guy. Um, I know he didn't grade fantastically, but I I'm hopeful that a big offseason can give him that. I think he's a better tackle than Tyree Phillips ever was. So moving in the right direction there, I think.
2: All right. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite there on the, on the Tyree Phillips comparison, but I, I admit neither one is really at the level that you, that you want it. And, and, he has more upside Tyree was more moved around and kind of jerked around in terms of his position, frankly, with the Ravens, but they did give him lots of opportunities to get it right uh, mm. before they couldn't trade him. And then finally had to cut him with file Lele. Um, I, I think he'd looked really good in this game as a sixth offensive lineman. And I would like to see them use him more in that capacity. Um, particularly if you're going to continue to be a, you know, a basically a run focused team, which I think is likely at the minimum with, if, if you have Lamar next year, that you're going to continue to start, you know your offense from from, from that spot, and I, the problem is I don't think Falelei is ready to step in at left tackle, and you need a guy who can do that. Mm-hmm. McCarry is not really that guy either. Um, I know he's had some success, and you know Ravens fans kind of love an underdog, but honestly, neither McCarry nor Falelei has played particularly well at tackle mm-hmm. um, w- when asked to be in there. Uh, Moses has played well, and and Stanley played well, and that's great that your starters are playing at a, at a reasonably high level. Um uh neither of them is a Pro Bowl player at this point. Uh that's really a shame to have to say that about Ronnie Stanley, but he's gonna have to he's gonna have to get back to being mm-hmm. a pro bowl player.
3: Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. I agree with that. Uh so yeah, if there's an offensive tackle that's close to the top of your board that has that blind side skill set, I would love to to take I I think you keep swinging at those positions in the draft if you can. Which um, you take a developmental guy. Yeah, that's exactly Brown what I'm is saying. Out there. yeah like a Spencer Brown or a Greg Sinat, you know, just one of those long angular guys that can mirror really that's, you know, mirror well. So second second part of Dirk's question is a play caller. I think we're expecting an announcement to be made some point this week. I personally think that somebody from the Shanahan Kubiak tree would be a best option. I think you want to still stay run first. I think that makes sense with the existing personnel you have and also the quarterback you hopefully still have. Um, what names are out there? I mean, you know, just take a look at the trees. I don't think a Cliff Kingsbury going to spread. I don't think that's makes a lot of sense personally.
2: If you saw the pictures today, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury might be having a lot of fun in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if, if you're going to have a lot of fun in some country, Thailand's probably not the place. (laughs) There's just a lot of risk with fun in Thailand.
3: Isn't that that, the movie, The Hangover Part 2 or something?
2: There you go. (laughs) All the things. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I I would agree. I I think the the one thing I want to see coming out of this um, uh, change, and I expect expect there to be a change, because I don't think Harbaugh is going to invest his own uh, personal capital, and I think he'd almost pretty much have to go all in to say, no, I, I want to keep Roman. I really don't want to make this move. He'd be going all in on his own coaching career in 23 if it didn't work out at offensive coordinator. So I don't think he's going to do that. He's he's going to basically say, yeah, you know, we're right, Eric. You know, we're right, Steve. Um, we'll make this change, and um, let's try and find somebody. And I hope the thing he really asked for is let's find a scheme-diverse guy Meaning not not just I'm not just talking past run because that that goes all the time, but I'm talking about a run diverse scheme. I don't want a guy who's all gap, all all zone, mm-hmm. all anything. I think the Ravens can do it all pretty well. And if if they maintain the largest possible threat in the run game, I think that would be cool. And also you cannot neglect a guy who can bring in and implement layers that will really improve the passing game. And, and, you know, make use of both tight ends and wide receivers don't go all in on all wide receivers. It's gotta be those guys. And, you know, we've got to develop James crochet into something he's not, and right. don't go all out to, to, to be, you know, a, a, we have to get every tight end on the roster, you know, 35 catches. Cause that's not going to work either.
3: I think what you want is what Mike McDonald showed on the defensive side of the ball. You want adaptability. That's yep. really what it is. You want vert, You want your personnel to be flexible, adaptable. You also want your play caller to be, and that segues into the third question. Uh, do the Ravens need outside help in drafting slash developing wide receivers? This is a conversation I've been having for a better part of a year, and I don't think the problem is they're not developing them well enough. I think they need to invest more into them. I think some people get a little bit too excited when they see Press clips of people winning seven on seven drills and (laughs) sometimes not every sixth round pick, fifth round pick and fourth round pick at wide receiver is going to develop into a starting caliber player. The hit rate on those players is, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent for anybody picked on day three. You need to invest more. I know there's been some thought and some look how much that Eric DaCosta invested in the draft. OK, maybe he did, but he also traded away one of the players before his rookie contract was over. And he also spent the 31st most on on free agents at the wider sheer position since Lamar's been drafted. So, you know, investment is both draft investment and um, free agent dollars, cap dollars. So if you're not spending cap dollars, you should really put a lot into the draft, I think.
2: Let's see how they address it differently next year. I, I'm I'm very hopeful that Bateman's decision to have the surgery when he did means his recovery does not extend past the beginning of this coming season. That is a very big deal for the Ravens. If it does, then the Ravens are in a deep, deep hole starting the season without Rashad Bateman. And if he's back mid-year, if he missed, somehow missed the year, oh my God! But if he, if he's if he's back mid-year, I mean that that's going to be a huge loss for the Ravens.
3: Right, and you should have Duvernay back at some point, so I think Duvernay' is a good number three. You just really need a strong number two yeah I, I
2: don't I really don't know where Duvernay is in terms of his injury. I don't know what it is yet so um do, do we know?
3: uh that's a great question, Ken. that one did kind of they did kind of sweep that over the the rug a little bit, didn't they mm-hmm.
2: So I don't it, recall that off the top of my head either. If it's Liz Frank related, I mean that could be 2023 going for Duvernay if, if think- at the point he was lost.
3: Now that you say that, I do think it was a Liz Frank, unfortunately. Um, okay. I'll look that up if All you right. want to. Uh, no,
2: that's okay. We're, we're I, I, fantastic discussion. Always a great discussion about franchise building, individual games, whatever it was with Viz Voss. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at VasilisBeatdown, and he is the co managing editor of Baltimore Beatdown. Uh, also great stuff over there. Uh, lots of great people over there. Kyle Barber. Uh, I really enjoy, uh, talking football with him when, when I can. And Jake Luke has been on the show before and, and, uh, done a really good job. But Voss, you're welcome all the time.
3: Thank you. No, uh, Jake, uh, Kyle and I have all been together at beat town for, I think, it's pushed going on seven years i think so it's been a while now that's a long
2: long time in the podcast slash uh business like that there aren't too many old (laughs) you're a real old timer if you've been around (laughs) 10 years all right Uh, other folks uh, other folks out there if you'd like to be on a film study short hit me up it's off season coming up i'd love to hear from you i talked a little bit about a new show we're going to have coming up that talks about one play from raven's history and really tries to trim this down to maybe a 15 minute episode like to do a lot of those if we can this offseason have some fun with it not a ton of prep time all you need to do is just hit me up with the one play you'd like to talk about it. why was it pivotal in Ravens history why you know maybe it was an injury that occurred that that you know ruined things for the Ravens like Lardarius Webb's injury in 2012 would would be that kind of a play and, and then they talk about history in other ways or Maybe it was a big play that propelled them in the playoffs. Like we just talked about, obviously, this horrible play last night, which doomed the Ravens. But in 2000, they had a similar play that went the other way. And the Mile High Miracle was another one that that, that was similarly went the Ravens way. Um, but whatever you'd like to talk about, I'd love to talk to you on one of these plays uh, about the great plays in Ravens history individually. Uh, other folks out there, if you wouldn't mind, uh, take a look. Uh, give the show a good review. If you're still listening after almost two hours of content with Voss and me, uh would really appreciate it and and if you don't mind giving us a review we'll uh like that uh hit hit subscribe and like on the youtube channel where you are not at now you're on a podcast but we have a youtube channel and we do put videos out there particularly the analytic ones that require some graphical content and if you want to follow that we'd appreciate it as well Voss, thanks again for coming on it's always a pleasure to talk football with you my friend
3: my pleasure ken thank you for having me always enjoyed very much very much and uh Let's uh we'll gear into the off season now but it was it was a fun season and and really enjoyed this.
2: I'm Thanks. sure we'll talk many times this off season and we'll talk to you folks next time on film study.